Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. We're talking about the Prince of Egypt, which is a 1998 animated musical film um, by DreamWorks. How's it going, Mark? It's going really well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I remember actually seeing a trailer for this in theaters. I think it was kind of funny. Uh, my brother saw and I saw the trailer that would make it when he was about 12 or so. I think he was more excited about the film at the time before it's revealed that it's the story of Moses. <laughs> they lead with the uh, chariot race. For me, I actually saw this in uh, high school. Uh, we, went, we saw it in the theaters. I remember they, they made a little bit of a push with like churches and pro- I'm guessing synagogues. They made a little bit of a push or any kind of encouragement. Did your dad make any encouragement, special encouragement? When, when, when he found out that it was about, about Moses, about Moshe. Yeah, I think my dad was excited about this. Did end up seeing it in theaters. We had hail the day <laughs> that, that <laughs> so we were like in the parking lot, like, walk, I think walking back after the movie, we're like, wow, there's hail. <laughs> That's interesting. It's, which is really rare in my hometown. We're like, is this a plague? <laughs> It's pretty funny. Yeah, I guess, and this film came out in December. It didn't come out around Passover Easter time. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a interesting choice. But maybe serious movies. Passover time would have made, made sense, though. You yeah. know, put it in March. Right. April. Yeah. This was only the second film released by DreamWorks Pictures. Uh, the first being Ants. It could, probably could have just been there. The timing of when they finished the film. I was talking to my to, to somebody, and he was saying that um, Spielberg said, "Let's do the Ten Commandments for you know for an animated." Yeah, he was the, that was his idea. I think Jeffrey Katzenberg might have been, but then Spielberg was the one that gave the the go ahead on it. Yeah, the funny story on the production on that it's not a perfect one to one, but they basically started two films and like. Prince of Egypt got the A team, and then kind of the B team got Trek. Oh, okay, interesting. I mean, I think that at the end, like once they finished Prince of Egypt, those people often moved over to Shrek or to the. There's also a direct to TV biblical story, which I'll probably mention later. Quality on this is quite exceptional. This is fantastic. I I can't believe. I, I when I rewatched it. I, I, I'm like kind of shocked actually by how good how good the um, the production is. Oh, definitely, especially when you compare it to Ants came before it, and Shrek is funny, but it definitely looks lower quality. This is one of the best, if not the best, like looking animated films. You know, produced in America, I would say, in my opinion. You'd say that this might be the one of the best looking traditional ones, but of course, but a lot of it is the hybridization where it's combining traditional and cgi 
the human faces though the the amount of emotion that they get is great and then the the depth and like the just like the framing and like the cinematography and the kind of camera movement within the animated world is is really cool there was one shot in particular it's a montage of moses walking through the desert so spielberg's idea so it starts off with close-ups of moses walking through the desert it goes from shot to shot he's always walking left to right in that zooming more and more out so he's less in the frame and you see more of the landscape and him blending in of course there's He's also discarding his Egyptian. Yeah, that's a good shot. Tonight's in the beginning, they say the little quote saying this, you know, you can find it in the book of Exodus. Uh, it's a fictional story in terms of like some of the relationships between Moses and Ramses. And there's some good argu- arguments you could make about the emotions of the man, you know, having grown up under those circumstances that he probably went through kind of the same kind of emotions that he did in this film. I never really thought about that subtext in the biblical story. It, it could be there, but even with it being half of the a book of the Bible, so it's a rather large story, they don't have the interpersonal conflicts like that. And, but it, it feels like it's something that both adds to the development of the characters. It really helps make the story. I think it's the best adaptation of the story of Exodus and it might be up there on my favorite biblical adaptation period. Um, you know, certainly the rewatch really increased my um, how I felt. How I really liked the film. Yeah, there's, there's some good stuff. Yeah, and I did like the adaptation that it, it mentioned that you can read the story in Exodus. It frees him quite a bit in the beginning of the movie. Not the immediate beginning of the movie, but uh, Chariot Element and some of the extra dialogue that isn't part of the of the biblical story it allows them to do that where like moses is a bit of a troublemaker and he's he's basically like an immature teenager it's a remarkable like character character change too the part that is in the in the bible in the scriptures grows up as a prince after being you know put in the basket obviously the the part with uh, like how he ends up in egypt is, i think that's that's pretty close to what the bible tells us about his mother placing him in a basket and his sister watching him and then noticing him being getting taken up out of the water by the egypt egyptian princess he's told that he's a that he's a hebrew by by after he sees somebody being being beaten he kills an egyptian and then he escapes so like that that part's there it's just the and the fact that ramses is like his it grows up as his brother <laughs> that's not as that's not explicitly told yeah the opening montage is is good first the deliver us song i i really liked elohim god on high can you hear the people cry yeah that's good really good music that song when she's putting him in the basket too it was that that was on oh it's really touching uh when that song gets has a callback later in the in the film sandra bullock is Moses's sister and she's singing that reprise and that's the only major character that ends up singing there thinking that as well as as speaking of course I think when I originally saw the film I didn't have the con- connection where I really knew about the main actors yeah there are only a couple that I I can even like Val Kilmer I didn't I don't know his voice well enough so I think like he just blends in and becomes the character sometimes in animation they like like genie and aladdin looks a little bit like robin williams 
Um, but I think in this one, they didn't really attempt to animate the characters based at all on Bond, their, their voice actors. So the only ones I can tell are Jeff Goldblum, I guess, <laughs> which is a really funny casting. It works in this for his character in the movie. Drop fine. Like I can, I can tell, I can recognize his voice. Yeah. yeah, that was an excellent casting for both of them. I wouldn't have recognized Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, back then I probably didn't, but uh, now but I do. Very recognizable. Um, Patrick Stewart as the old Pharaoh. Oh right, right. Yeah, that's a good. That was. I think that was a nice, good casting though. That was pretty good. Yeah, the older Pharaoh is the one that kills the Hebrew children and stuff. So he's not. The scene where he reveals or admits that he his culpability in that, and then he he doesn't regret, but then he dials it back. Metaphorically, the walls are closing in on Moses, and then it kind of sets up the the dream sequence that literally like the walls shifting. That was cool, like Egyptian oh, also, Egyptian yeah, a highlight of that. One of the main takeaways in when the movie came out in 1998, people were really raving about the dream sequence, which I also agree with and it still looks really good today which is great considering it's mostly cg yeah it's like because it's hieroglyphs <laughs> it helps the other heavy cg scene is the waves and they were able to do that pretty well and i think that's also because they did it in a stylistic way so later films you know i could especially think of pixar and disney films do incredible stuff with water you know especially like moana and the good dinosaur have super realistic cg water in Prince of Egypt, the the water scenes are are beautiful, um, but then they're it is kind of like a a painter's like yeah stylistic feel on that. Yeah, I think it works. What impressed me watching it this time is I think they sell like they sell the drama really well, and they like they put me right back there seeing that story. If you've grown up with a story and like you're you you know that that that's coming that, that should be coming but the, the actual miracle and like how it happened and it's like it's something that in the scriptures the lord keeps reminding the israelites about later i brought you you know out of the up out of the land of egypt across the red sea basically you know he, and then and there was like like moses's song and several you know he parted the red sea the drama was sold for me i also like the kind of the shock of like whales or big fish swimming in the, like basically the the wall of the parted sea and it looks really cool so you're not just looking at the water you're actually looking at like the characters and their reactions and you're thinking about how, how it works that's a yeah, showstopper before pharaoh and his army come down they're stopped by basically by the lord right and they're prevented from attacking until the until the waters part is that is that in the the scriptures yes obviously the, it was the lord's timing but uh so they were prevented initially yeah. from okay yeah so that was realistic yeah one big thing that's left is a question mark you know you don't find out what happens to pharaoh the assumption is that pharaoh didn't actually lead the troops into the water like that or he wasn't personally in danger of drowning the red sea film definitely shows that he was like the one survivor or something just because i guess he was in, in the back got thrown out by the water yeah i heard in the behind the scenes they said that it could be left open to interpretation like moses doesn't know what happens to pharaoh at the end of the in the movie pharaoh's crying out for moses and that was good emotion on that scene you don't moses isn't actually hearing 
from the other side of the seat. Yeah, he maybe he's thinking about it. Yeah, we talked a little about the chase scene. That was that was quite excellent. Now, after first seeing it, like it is super unrealistic. Like that, it's just over the top action. You know that where <laughs> those like they would have died like three or four times over. So, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought it was like a fun scene. And and again, like kind of just establishing their, just yeah. them talking to each other, that he is growing up as, and he's he's like, you know, he's like a wealthy prince. And the song uh, "All I've Ever Wanted" is really good too. Like it, I think it just establishes that he should be happy with his life, but there was had a feeling that something wasn't right. It's hard to imagine what that what that would have been like actually for the. He gave Sephora some scenes like that wasn't like her being captured and escaping wasn't in the in the Bible. Yeah, her relationship, the fact that they have this ongoing relationship, and the but the Bible seems to indicate that he just somebody he met out in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, she's actually uh, or Michelle Pfeiffer. Sephora uh, is she's third build in the film, you know, which I see she would have been third build in the actual in the biblical story number like six or seven <laughs> uh, i think it worked like um like there for the narrative again it, it gave somebody that um like moses could re- respond to and interact with at the various stages of his, of his life like after he encounters the lord at the burning bush like you know his response yeah and his reaction like the care it's really it's really interesting i think they did a good job of showing how basically through that encounter he was he just knew that he had to do this like even though he didn't really want to like he had to <laughs> so he like he he felt the fear of god and the respect for god but then but then also just like the emotional response kind of was they used her to help show the the relationship to like going back to the family or going back to the people that's good yeah because the few times like they interact yeah um otherwise it's you know moses is basically a vessel of god for the last half of the film it's interesting how god set that up like when you read exodus exodus the whole story of exodus is is still like it's like one of the best narratives in the in this in all of the scriptures obviously can see the hand of god working through it when moses is leaving or moses kills the foreman in intentionally in the bible in this one it's an accident he's angry but it's an accidental death i really like that ramses wants to cover up moses killing the the foreman a couple scenes that are are really funny first i think the the best laugh of the film which i i really liked is like the camel trying to eat uh, Moses's hair when he's buried. <laughs> and then it, it's funny that he's dragging him through the, the sand. And then, then when he gets to the water, he's, you know, he's just drinking real, real quick. And then, then he sees that all the sheep and stuff are drinking out of the water. But I guess uh, kind of Star Wars Force Awakens reuses that joke, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it does. I'm sure that's also been in some cartoons or something, yeah. And then also that Moses being exhausted but able to save Sephora by startling the camels. And then he's 
so t exhausted that he falls into the well. And the kid's saying that they're pulling the, the strange man out of the well. And she, she comes to rescue him and then, and then just decides not to. Yeah. She's not happy. Yeah, so the, then you get the montage of them falling in love and him being part of the village in Heaven's Eyes. It's a pretty solid song. That's also stuff that's not complete. That's just adding to the biblical narrative. Like that stuff isn't just there, but yeah, they like what is there is that it's more about her father like offering offering the daughter, and so there's probably some kind of ceremony. the The animation in that sequence was really cool, though, too. Yeah, Jeff, that, which that was a voice I didn't recognize that as Danny Glover. The singing voice is, has much more lines than the actual main actor. You know, Moses thinks thinks his life is over or worthless, you know, and then yeah, goes, yeah, he doesn't have to be in a position of power to to do good in the world, which I think is the main message of that song. Yeah. And the film, he doesn't really age. It makes it seem like it's only like a year, maybe <laughs> or so. Because I knew about the biblical that narrative that it was a long time. You know, it was enough for the uh, Patrick Stewart Pharaoh to die. Even though there's some moments where uh, Pharaoh has some of the old personalities, you can tell he's kind of hardened his personality even without the his heart being hardened with the plagues. So I never really thought about the the voice of God in that. I did like instead of the booming voice that it was kind of it was a quiet voice, just enough confidence and then providing comfort. It was funny originally yeah. they did a mix where they had a, it was like they combined voices, like of a, a man, a woman, and a child, like all speaking at the same time. Oh, uh, okay. They wanted to do a single voice to, to it would, you know, seem like a single God. Um, so that's still different enough. The only time when he, he kind of booms is when Moses is like doubting him. It seems actually like that's probably, like the kind of matches the tone that's in the scriptures too of like when he's like who created man you know who created who created mankind but but it's like a respectful you know like i am the lord it was like who created man you know it's like it's, he's just becoming serious and then moses is actually sandalless for the rest of the film oh interesting it is val kelmer also doing the voice of god um they said it could possibly be not that Moses is imagining it, but that he's hearing the voice like it's like it's his conscious talking to him. Now I timed it because like they, they spend a lot of time on character development. You know, there's also interaction between Moses and his siblings as adults. It was well used on that time. Return to Egypt until the halfway point of the of the movie. Um, you know, fifty minutes in uh, to a hundred minute film. I think it works. Um, the only time where I would have, like, maybe they could have expanded a little more time is during the plagues. Some of the plagues feel like they're done really quickly in the, that song montage. Yeah. I think the the message of the story is there, like the first miracle with the staff turning into snakes is the the battle between God and like the um, the Egyptian gods. Because yeah. I've heard where God is specifically addressing and attacking. Egyptian false religion, all their gods and goddesses and whatever. There is 
the gods do get mentioned in the song. Yeah, the that gets a lot of time, and then the the first nine plagues get rushed through pretty quick. Like the darkness is like implied because they have an, a conversation right before the the final the final plague. Like the blood is the blood has gets a little bit of time, but it still could have been could have been more. And then Ramses Ramses and Moses have a conversation with Ramses' son under darkness, under cover of darkness. So playing with the big boys now, like I think is a catchy song. I, I felt like the song was a little long. I like the two Egyptian priests, maybe even more like just how they're written and how they appear visually through some of the montages and not even the voice actors. It wasn't a bad performance by Steve Martin, Martin Short. But it didn't really feel like them. Like, yeah, you probably didn't notice that it was that it was them. And I didn't really think about that either. Yeah, I didn't. They were like just humorous enough. When it comes to the first plague matching the blood, you clearly see that they're faking it. And then they have no response for the other nine plagues. I initially thought when I you know, first saw the film as a kid and then later on, I thought that they actually had some kind of evil power. I think the scriptures kind of imply that they do have some evil power. It seems like they are able to conjure a snake. Uh, behind the scenes, they wanted the scene to show that like everything was fake, which I didn't quite get. I, I, I think they didn't do a good job showing that it was fake. They essentially pulled a snake out of their hat. They tried to show that the spotlight effect was just... It was just blinding, blinding people. A little more... I saw it a little more now this time, but I didn't. I think they, they, they I think they focus on like the just the flashy. It's a big show, but the, even the snake, like the you know Moses snap, staff eating the snake, is like it's, it's almost shown through like shadows. It actually matches the scripture pretty well, where the Egyptians don't really care, you know. So. It's interesting that God made the made it. I wouldn't have expected him to make us snake show god the lord's power i did like the once they call you brother um gets kind of like a re reprise because they were fitting it all on one song they did keep it if it wasn't direct confrontation speaking also of the um the voice of god there's like a little music there's like a theme for god almost like children's voices children look like a, a choir very very beautiful a little mysterious. Uh, music by Hans Zimmer, Creed, him doing the kind of the superhero blown out bass music. Yeah, I think he did a great job with this. Yeah. This is one of his better scores. He's made a lot of great music, and then sometimes he makes really strange choices. But uh, I think all of the it, I think all of the choices in this one are really good. I like I like I think some of his choices are brilliant, and other films do. But uh, yeah, I think everything everything works pretty well i think they did a good job of like it's a it's a musical and like the characters thing but also with the regular score also it kind of blends in with that i think pretty well there's, there's an always happened in the in the film or sometimes it's like it's like oh it's just like a regular straight play and then oh there's now we're gonna sing standout moment during the plague's montage the fire you only see the fire falling from the sky for a couple of seconds, but that was real cool. 
And then when they do the angel of death, it was definitely an improvement over Indiana Jones. This one was kind of like a light spiraling from the sky. They didn't try to give it like a anthropomorphic shape. They just kept it as like a wind, like an ethereal object. See, that was really good. I remember that being in theaters and being really moved by that when I rewatched it again. It was really good. They don't show any of the, they show like one body, like an arm falling out of a door. Just the fact that, like how serious the warning was and the fact that God was just saying, you know, let, you know, you let my people go, you're not going to experience these plagues, but if you don't listen, you're, you're going to face the consequences. No, they, they don't really show much in the way of everyday Egyptians or too much in the way of even everyday Hebrews in, until they start leaving in the Bible. There, It definitely says that like it was a, mul- a multitude of people that left and that wasn't just the traditional Hebrews that, that followed um, the warning to have uh, blood on the, on the door. That it was, I think it was also some Egyptians and some of maybe other ethnicities that were in Egypt. So they show it a little. Now, When You Believe is supposed to be, that's their big song. It's a great song. Maybe it's a little sappy. I think it was effective, at least. Some people might hear the song and think, you just have to believe in yourself. You can, you can do whatever you want. I, I at least read that they, there will be miracles when you believe. They at least changed it. There can be miracles. I, I like the song, but, and I like the idea. I just wish there was a little more like about the uh, object of your belief. <laughs> that it's like in the Lord. And I think it works really well in the film. Like maybe it didn't have the success outside of the film, which I think they were hoping for with some of the Disney films. But it did win uh, Best Song at the at the Oscars. Well, it was the first animated film outside of Disney Pixar to win uh, Best Original Song. Yeah, there are so many can- candidates for songs that I think could have been. <laughs> could have been up there too from this. Towards the end, they bring up Ashirah too a few times that was really cool yeah and that's the kind of traditional song I will sing unto the Lord for he is triumph gloriously the horse and rider thrown to the sea fits well in that and the timing's good they don't they wait until the Egyptians are defeated it's also nice it wasn't spoon fed like they didn't have to they didn't give you the English trans translation of, of the song in the song itself they just had that in you uh, for most people, you just understand the feeling of the song, and then it comes back to the original part of the song, you know, when you believe. They put some Hebrew language throughout the film early on um, in the prayers, and then the, uh, that's definitely at this point towards the end. Aaron was, like, definitely doubting what Moses was able to do. Um, I did like the moment where Aaron was kind of the first one to step into the sea. Aaron in this film was just to create tension. Like in this in the scriptures, Aaron's brought to the forefront, like at the burning bush. And he said, you know, he'll be the like you'll be Aaron's gonna be the mouthpiece for you, and you're gonna be the mouth mouthpiece for me. So like all of the meetings with Pharaoh, uh, Aaron would have been there, you know, in actuality. It was a little complicated for the for the movie plot, but yeah, that would have but they did totally change the character on that. And then Miriam was kind of the voice of encouragement, like agreeing with God. I like the moment where Moses kind of pats the uh, 
his dogs on the head, like back when he was uh, Princess stuff. They, they were originally pitching an, an idea where it would have been like the comedy sidekicks throughout the movie. And they would have, <laughs> it would have been following Moses around. That could work if you're making your own original story, you know. It would have, I think that would have been distracting from this. Yeah, there's a few like little jokes thrown in, but it's not a it's definitely more of a serious film. Yeah. Well, especially as it as it shifts towards like towards the end. Such serious uh content though, too. Um, because it's about slavery, it's about and genocide plagues you know god rescuing a people through a bunch of miracles and it's about taking the voice of god seriously the aaron character there's a little bit of a joke not not total total joke but where he's like uh yeah oh no we we don't um you know he he wants to respect moses when he just sees him as an egyptian prince (laughs) he's like uh oh she doesn't she's crazy she doesn't she doesn't mean when she's what she's what she's uh, saying. There was also a direct to DVD uh, prequel, technically, um, but continuing that, where they did a a version of the Joseph story. Yeah, I think I've seen part of it. I didn't know that it was connected to this. Yeah, so they had some of the the same team ended up working after Prince of Egypt, but then. You know, it's with less budget. Certainly, like they didn't have any of the CG stuff, or if they had CG, it was it was real basic. So it was also just kind of a simplified animated film. And they had songs, but the songs don't really click. So I did like, like the very beginning dream that Joseph has is kind of a Van Gogh impressionist style. It was pretty cool to watch. And I think if you can find that clip online, which I couldn't, there's like split second shots of it in the trailer for the for the movie so you can get an idea of it but that's that was actually really impressive like unfortunately though the dreams are in different styles unfortunately that means like within the first five minutes of the film is like the best part of the film yeah i gotcha i think i I think that was my impression the first five minutes were really interesting and then then it got not as great uh mark hamill is judah you know, Joseph's older brother, most lines out of the brothers, but the brothers, you know, are in the first 10 minutes of the film and the last 10 minutes of the film. So you don't get to, you don't get a lot from Mark Hamill, but it's an enjoyable performance, I think, because it's such a recognizable voice. Those are kind of the two reasons to watch it. And then the rest wasn't. It was also definitely missing the personal connection. It was like a one person story going through actions and reacting, but then he didn't have the the personal connection that Moses did, not just to his adopted brother, but also with his brother and sister and with his wife. I've listened to a couple of pastors preach about what a, the story of Joseph is, and there there is really a like a ton of drama in there. Like it starts off with sibling rivalry, you know, just even yeah. to begin with. The father is like should be weeping when Joseph is when he's told that he's dead, and then and the sons like it's such a terrible thing that they do when they sell they, they sell their brother in into slavery or into traitors. Right. And then at the end when he forgives them, it's like the the biblical story is like masterful storytelling where he keeps like where Joseph knows who his brothers are, but they don't really know who 
they don't know who he is and he keeps delaying revealing who he is because he also wants to find out about his father find out about his younger brother There's, there should be a lot of personal connection so you put in the middle there like some his um with with potiphar's and potiphar's wife and then uh in the prison with the baker it felt like it didn't really click it might actually work well for people who didn't know the biblical story i, I just didn't think of it is available on uh, peacock in the u.s so that was in maybe they'll make another version of it sometime initially they said like it's like the next in a series of biblical films but i'm guessing the dvd sales probably didn't go that well you know dreamworks ended up not doing any uh direct-to-video sequels after that for 20 years. i mean prince of egypt made 210 million over a 70 million budget pretty successful but then the shrek and the other traditional comedies cost less money and made more money i forgot how good this film is this movie the prince of egypt is and i really think that it should be involved in like more conversations about like what is the top animated film like i because i think this is way up there on the list could it have like a theme park presence without it being sacrilegious? <laughs> uh, good question. Uh, I don't have the answer to that one. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult because what? Because like, what are you going to show? Like, like the Egyptian? Are you going to show the? Are you going to show the parting of the Red Sea? It would be difficult. I guess it would be like a character meet and greet with Moses. I don't know. Are you going to go, you know, visit the plagues? You know, go from, <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know, burning bushes. You could sell figurines, though. But yeah, so I definitely recommend Prince of Egypt. And it sounds like you really recommend that, too. Yeah. Yes. So it still holds up really well. And it used, like, A-list actors, but, like, they put in really good performances. Even with it dealing with darker themes, like I think it's a, a fun enough story. Not too much of a downer. It's it's not a downer because the you know because the ending is good. There's a the theme in here. Well, you know they they uh, like Miriam talks about you know we we've been praying for a long time and you know probably there were some slaves who prayed and the Lord the Lord waited right and he didn't he didn't rescue them. And there were probably, you know, over the course of 400 years, there were people who died within slavery. But at the end, the Lord did prevail and, and he did, did rescue them and establish them and, and he took, brought them to the land. No, so. and that's a, several points. And like those points also, you know, you reflect on them as part of a Passover Seder. Yeah, you think about like that there were generations and generations that were in slavery and also the suffering of Egyptians. Even the people actively involved in suffering, like, do they deserve, like, pain and death? I think it presents the questions without really address, like, give definitive answers, which I think is fine, which is also, that's part of the, I think part of the Passover discussion is that you can get into those discussions, you know, both in the, like, that the Passover Seder traditionally smaller, it's often multifamily, but, you know, it'd be, like, say, 20 people or less where you can actually to get sidetracked uh with discussions like that so we, we, are you going to recommend it to uh, your family for a seder uh, i might recommend it for some people they've seen it like if you're going to watch a film about passover like i would recommend this over the other films the passover seder is lengthy enough as it is that there's no time to 
to watch a movie after it. The film closed out with a quote from the both the uh, Tanakh, the Jewish Bible, quote from the New Testament, and a quote from the Quran. I thought that was a nice touch. Prophethood of, of uh, Moses. Spielberg did push to include the Ten Commandments at the end of the film instead of ending on. Um, they could. They thought about maybe ending it with the them uh, successfully, like ending on the wind, or with them leaving the the Red Sea. I'm glad he did because I, I I really do. It's a really interesting because you know he's basically starting to walk down the mountain and he looks down. Yeah. It's a really powerful shot. He looks down. And he sees all the people there. So for one, like the multitude has grown up and it's like a huge, massive amount of people and he has the ten commandments now if you know the biblical account there's a little irony there too because you realize what like the golden calf and all that craziness is is, you know if it's the first if it's the first tablets that's the next story that's that's the rest of the exodus so i initially had an idea where you would it's kind of a half-baked idea i've been toying with where it's a feature film that starts with that that would be cool that would be a good sequel yeah and you realize what happens from there i mean we're essentially would be a sequel to prince of egypt 10 commandments and stuff like it starts off with the failures on that they, you could you could like honestly make a, a really good sequel um combining the end of exodus and then like leviticus numbers and deuteronomy and like establishing the temp the temple and the further wanderings and even ending with like a similar shot with moses passing away while looking looking into the promised land from like the from the hill i think that would be that would be a good sequel yeah there's certainly enough stories um so enough to (laughs) fill a film the the still kind of struggle a little bit with like the overall message there's so many stories that how do you wrap it up into a single narrative you know like the in the scriptures there you could do i don't think there's been a serious um like joshua movie there's been kind of some stories told with that but it's like you feel like it's like unless you have the joshua sequel then it feels like a, a little empty you know let's pitch it to dreamworks yeah. make a make a fantastic sequel because that would have been better that would have made more sense too than doing the joseph prequel story it would make more sense to keep going forward in the story because then you can eventually get to david where they're trying to make a story that works for all three religions plus have a secular audience eventually if you if you start like trying to if you try to appeal to too, too many bodies of faith you're you end up being dishonest to all of them to at least to one of them but if you're trying to like have islam like be connected you're you're gonna run off the rails really yeah, so our emails messianicmedia at gmail.com, uh, facebook.com slash messianicmedia. Well, hope you have a happy Passover, happy Easter. Yeah, happy Passover, happy Yeshua. I think Resurrection Day also works. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Messianic Media Podcast a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works.